Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Von Tobel and Kelly Bidlin. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is Hardwood Handicappers here on this Monday, the start of a new era for Double H, as we are now going to uh, roll these out every single day throughout the NBA postseason. Kelly Bidlin is alongside. He's also smirking because he could tell, like, I'm... I'm I'm oh, at like energy. 11 right now. Yeah. <laughs> I am very, very happy. Um, why, you might ask? Why might you ask? Why am I in such a good mood? I mean, we have to start there. It was the late-ish game, of course, the late game, which we'll get into. We're going to recap everything that happened on the weekend. But, no, I I, I want to start with the Clippers, but we can't, actually. We can't. Be. We have to start with the injury <laughs> news. But, boy, am I fired yeah, up that the start, Clippers grabbed the win. You have to start with the far more significant things that happened yesterday. In the I NBA. guess. Yeah. I guess. Although, <laughs> I would say a team that was, I don't know, a 4-1 to one underdog and an easy out for the Phoenix Suns getting the first win in the series. I don't know. I mean, I think that's somewhat uh, somewhat big news. All right, yeah, let's start with the injuries. So, yesterday, of course, uh, the, the weekend overall, I thought, was a spectacular weekend in terms of basketball for the most part. You know, you had a couple of duds, but... Other than that, it was a really solid weekend of hoops, and it was really cool. I thought overall, before we get to the injuries, Kelly, and it kind of ties into the injuries a bit, you can tell the difference in terms of the intensity when these guys play playoff basketball, and it is really refreshing to see from somebody, you know, it was we both just watched a crap ton of regular season hoops to get to this point where you've got guys, you know, hitting the deck and taking charges and doing all sorts of stuff. It, It was really refreshing to watch the style of basketball we've been watching over the last, like, four days now, if you include the plan. Yeah, and it always it's always go time signal when you see like I'll use your game as an example when Durant's squaring up on Kawhi, right? It's like all right, no more screwing around. Like we're we're came to play basketball. Stars are going to match up with stars a lot of the times. Like no more hiding guys on the defensive end to save them for offense. It's go time, baby. The playoffs are here. Uh, Yeah, I'm with you. I think overall, and we're going to get into the the juicy stuff from the weekend, but overall, you know. Some good games. Friday was just, man, it just, the injuries just sucked all the air out of the room. Like, it, it was tougher. Like, it was, I'm so glad the Clippers and Suns was such a good game. Yeah. Cause I was like, I was just left in like a depressed state basically after Miami, Milwaukee yesterday, where I'm like, man, don't tell me like this NBA playoffs is already about to be immediately affected, right? On, on, and maybe we'll start right there, but like, in my opinion, the best team going losing their biggest star well and to your point like taking the air out of it like why i was on the air for it but still within the span of essentially an hour like of real time you had john morant go down with a hand injury and then you had actually more like two hours but you had john morant go down with a hand injury and at the very beginning of the game for milwaukee you have Giannis antetokounmpo go down with a back injury and that really does suck the life out of it because those are two massive stars for their respective teams and it changes things when it comes to everything in their respective conferences but specifically for milwaukee as we'll start there 
Giannis Antetokounmpo with the back injury. Uh, again, one of these situations where there's a player trying to draw a charge. Giannis ends up going down, falling very hard on his back. Now, I thought Kelly, because and I said this on the air, it ha- he had he had taken his second foul at the end of the first quarter, and there was like about two minutes left, and so he goes back to the locker room. And my argument was, well, yeah, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe he's just like, look, I have two fouls. My back hurts a little bit. Let's go to the back and get some some sort of treatment. I'm not coming back into this game until the second quarter anyway. So let, you know, let's use some extra time to do whatever we need to do. And he actually th- does th- come back out. Huh. I thought the same thing during that time too, where yep. I was like, I don't really know if this is bad or not, but like, I'm not going to read into him le- going to the locker room at that point because of the circumstances you just laid out. Yep. And so then he comes back and you're like, oh, cool. All right. He's fine. We're yeah. good. Everything's copacetic. Well, let's roll on, brah. And uh, ultimately not the case. Almost leaves immediately. He gets ruled out pretty quickly and we get the official designation that, of course, with his back, he is now day to day. But I will say this. And this is also the other point I brought up during that game, Kelly, while we were on the air. Mm-hmm. While you might freak out that Giannis was ruled out for that game, I actually think that that is, again, somewhat, it's actually like a bigger picture version of what we were just talking about in the first quarter, where it's like, all right, look, this is game one of a best of seven series. Let's just rule him out now. Let's let him take the rest of this game off, the time between games off, and let's just have him get ready to go for game two when we'll need him. We have margin for error. We are the one seed. We are the better team. We can see if we can win this game without him. And even if we don't, we believe that we are good enough if he's going to be fully healthy by the time game two and on rolls around that we'll be able to take advantage of this series. And even some of the reports, uh, Buck's optimistic that he can return for game two. It, I would say that this one does not seem as serious as the John Morant injury. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, I agree. This is how I framed it on a numbers game this morning. I am more concerned about, yes, I think I think the John Morant injury could be just, that could be immediately bad. Like that we might hear within the next 24 hours or less that he's done for the rest of the playoffs, right? What I'm concerned about with Giannis is I think Giannis will be back, but does he come back and look like he's walking around like he's Greg Oden the entire time? You know, like right. when he came back into that game, the way he was moving, it was troublesome to say the least. And it's like, if, if Giannis Antetokounmpo just becomes a, well, he's basically a seven foot center, you know what I mean? Like the, who doesn't have his athleticism that, that it, it just, it feels like something that could nag and plague him for a while until he's kind of back into, into his true form. So I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how these play out. I agree with you with what you said about them kind of like, hey, just take the rest of the game off. Like, yeah, we think the, we're the better team. We'd rather have you healthy, figure that out, get you back when it needs uh, when, when we need to get you back. Let me spin that forward, though. Would you take that same approach with game two? Like, if it's if he's like, coach, I can go. Like, I'm hurting, but I can go. Are you trying to hold him back a little bit, or are you getting too risky then? No, I think you're getting too risky there, right? Because the margin for error is that we can lose game one and still split home court next time around or split at home, go back on the road and win that. Risking being down to nothing and going on the road is a different animal because even if, let's say, like, because if you split that, then you're talking about being down 3-1 coming back home. Like, that's that's a lot to ask of a team even with home court and the edge that they have to actually do that. I think it's, it's closer in my mind than I would have normally thought. Like you, usually I would, usually I wouldn't even pose the question, but it's only because I still think the, you don't like my, they might end up making me look like a complete moron, but Oh my God, I still, I don't like the heat. I still don't think they're that good. Tyler Hero's now out. 
which all we kept talking about is how limited offensively they are. You got Jimmy. I'm sorry, really quick, but we should point out too that game two is also not until Wednesday, so that gives you that gives you a lot of time. They have two days off in between their first game and their second game, which gives you a lot of time for that back to feel a lot better, right? Two days of just rest, rehab, and you know, getting up and getting ready for April 19th. I guess, I guess my point is, John, like I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be angry as a, I guess now that I'm just, I don't even, I don't even have any tickets. I'm not even involved really in the Eastern conference, but I guess I'm just like kind of a de facto bucks fan. Cause I've been pushing them all year. Like I, we're also very anti Miami. Like that's the other part about it. I've been very anti Miami the whole year. Yeah. I wouldn't even be overly angry if they ended up holding him out game two. And like, he was fine game three. Cause I actually, I actually think this bucks team, Without Tyler Hero out there and without Giannis out there, I still think they should be able to hold serve at home. Like they mm-hmm. should be able to take game two, even if both both those guys don't play. And I think it should be rather easily. Well, and to your point too, so and Pat Connaughton has kind of been like relegated to like a very minimal role, if mm-hmm. not even playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. So take some of these numbers with a grain of salt, because he didn't even get into the game um yesterday. Actually, I don't even know if he's fully healthy, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but Giannis Antetokounmpo off the floor for the Milwaukee Bucks. They still have a positive net rating, and a plus 0.1. So it's like really close. And their most used lineup, and that's why I say the Pat Connaughton deal, because Connaughton's part of their most used lineup without Giannis in the regular season. Uh, but their most used lineup without Giannis, a plus 13.1 net rating and a defensive rating of 108.5. So to your overall point, can the Bucks get by against Milwaukee, or excuse me, Miami, who just lost their, what would you say, second best offensive player? Uh, yeah, and Tyler yes. Hero. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah. By the way, unless, kudos unless to Tyler argue, Hero. Unless you um, want to argue with me, he's their best offensive player. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to just because Jimmy's so good to get in the free throw line, but to your overall right. point, like offensive skill, he might be their best player. Uh, and kudos to Tyler Hero, man. Because so he hurts, like the sequence in which he got injured. So he gets injured going down to the floor. And for like two full possessions, he's like grabbing at his hand. Like you can tell it's bothering like shaking him. Shaking him and off. Yeah. Right, and the hilarious part is, I don't know how this was to felt for him, but the sequence where Gabe Vincent catches the ball on the right wing and he, you know, he's playing the game. He's got no idea what's happening. And he just slings it in the corner to Tyler Hero. <laughs> and Tyler Hero goes from grabbing, just doubled over in pain in his hand, to snatching a pass, hitting a corner three, yes. and then going immediately back to just being like, oh, Jesus Christ, two of my knuckles are broken. This is terrible. I, I'm, so, I'm so glad you saw it like exactly like I did too, where he's, he's like, I, I'm in so much pain. Oh, wait, I've got the ball. Like his face then transforms like yes. into like, okay, I've got the ball, shooter mode, shoot, make my shot. Oh, crap, my hand still really hurts. <laughs> Dude, it, was, it was such a good sequence. Like I said, kudos to him to play through that, man, That to at least hit a shot too in that instance, the way that he did. And it is like tying that in. It's a massive loss. The adjustment now, Milwaukee Bucks minus 295 for the series, plus 235 coming back on Miami. And if we're if we're believing, I have to say this, Kelly, yeah. if we're believing that Giannis Antetokounmpo is healthy, not healthy, but is going to be ready on Wednesday for game two, I, I actually thought you could make the very, the very much you can make the argument that at minus 1,000, there was actually a discount on Miami, or excuse me, Milwaukee, because if they were playing any other team not named Miami with heat culture, they'd probably be minus 1,200 or so on a series price. Yep. If you believe that Giannis is healthy and going to be ready to go for game th- uh, game two, I don't think that that's uh, a no on land 295 or going back to some of these series spreads, if you will, if you have not gotten involved in the series yet. Uh, completely agree. 
I, that that was one I, I that, that was one I brought up this morning where I'm like I don't think that it's, and and it, you know we could maybe tie this in here too but I I think kind of the same thing about the Lakers too like if you're you, on the reverse side right if you think Jaw right. is really more on the likely side of being out I got no problem laying two sixty with the Lakers like, mm-hmm. and I think you're right like I wouldn't have oh. any problem I wouldn't have any problem laying that price with the Bucks either. So I did the show yesterday, Live Bet Sunday, with uh, with Mike Samich, who's you know Fender Patrick Maher's and has been on the network a couple of mm-hmm. times, and we actually both made that same case. We we thought that that series price was going to get adjusted to like nearly three dollars. Yeah, because yeah. especially with one, it's the John Morant injury, and the fact that they now have home court. Uh, you know, split a, a loss in game two shouldn't move that series price more than like twenty cents. Yep. You know what I mean? Because you still go back home one one with home court. Like that's, I'm really surprised that that series price did not get adjusted to like three dollars or so. No, I'm with you. I mean, I think maybe we're just waiting to hear more official injury stuff here. Yeah, I, I, like John Moran injury is even more bizarre, right? Really quick before we, before yeah, we move yeah, on sorry, to Ja, sorry. can I just make one last point mm-hmm. um, with Milwaukee? And when we're talking about this, even if if you don't want to lay two ninety five, Milwaukee minus one and a half games is plus one ten. That is also something that you could look at because you're talking about still giving yourself some wiggle room that can win the series in six. Uh, even if you think they can win four straight, whatever it is, but minus one and a half at plus one ten for a team that was a one thousand favorite, minus one thousand favorite for the series. So okay, so if so if and the other team doesn't have their best score. You know, you know what? I would just, you know what? I'm thinking to myself. I was just going to say that's a great point by you. That's what I'll play if I know Giannis is playing. But no, I'm just going to. I'll probably lay that series, Bryce. I I would just like it's going to be a big bet and. The Miami Heat just might might bankrupt me here in this first uh, <laughs> first round, but uh, I would if I knew Giannis was playing, I and I could lay under three dollars of them to win this series. It's a it's a bet for me. That's a bet. So now on to John Morant, the other impactful injury outside of the two we just discussed, Giannis and Tyler Hero. So John Morant again, another instance where was it Anthony Davis, right, who was trying to draw yeah. uh, or yeah. did draw the charge on John Morant. Morant, uh, of course, hits him, goes down, falls right on his hand. He's already been dealing with hand and wrist injuries uh, as it is um, in extreme pain, doesn't finish out the rest of the game. Lakers, who we'll get to, smoke him in terms of what they actually did down the stretch afterwards. Um, but as far as John Morant goes, that one seems more serious. You know, after the game, John Morant was, you know, it was reported by Tim McMahon that he couldn't even hold a ball of socks in his hand, yeah. uh, reportedly. Um, at the very least, it's a very hard questionable for Morant for game two. And just to double check, when is, I think their game two is actually a little bit sooner, is it not? I believe it's tomorrow. Uh, no, no, that's the Los Angeles Clippers. So they too get another two days off in between games, which is going to help the John mm-hmm. Morant situation. Um, x-rays were negative, so it sounds like it's just going to be a pain thing. But I mean, Ja did not sound, I don't know if you saw some of the quotes from Morant afterwards, yeah, oh, yeah, where he was yeah. like, it's just one thing after the other and blah, blah, blah. Like, sounded pretty dejected about it. It seems really serious. So... I don't want to blame the guy here, but like the, why is he saying all that afterward? Right? Like it, like the, I feel like this is well, the time. Like you know what I mean? Like we're, we we complain all year about these guys being more open and honest about their injury statuses for regular season games. I like I think if I was the if I'm Taylor Jenkins, I'm like, yo, can you stop talking so much about how you so, feel right now? One of my <laughs> things when I read that, it, it, my mind actually went to, and again, I'm just guessing. I'm not gonna like speculate 100 percent on this. When he said it's one thing after the other, I thought he was lumping in his suspension. Right, like it's one thing after the other in terms yeah. of time missed, and I kind of wanted to be like, like, are you really invoking your suspension in terms of one one or another? Like, because if he really was, I was like, you're kind of missing the point of what happened during the suspension and why you got suspended. 
I haven't even, JVT, I haven't even taken the time to go down the full Ja Morant rabbit hole for like all this. Oh, stuff did you read season. the WAPO piece? It was the Washington Post, right? Or whatever it was. Did you read this? No, no, no. But I mean, maybe this is where you're going. But but what really caught my eye last week was the was the headline about him countersuing the teenager or something that he like played a pickup uh, game with because what the kid threw a ball at his head. So that could, that could cost him his career. And he's like countersuing uh, some teenager. You're like, are no, you I didn't see this. Like, the Washington, on, I think it was the Washington Post actually went out and talked to the alleged victims and like has been and just essentially it's just like a big you know a big old feature about just John Morant the knucklehead and like talking to the people he actually like did you know uh allegedly you know whatever he did assaulted right 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 Um, allegedly again I will say that a thousand times um but yeah like no that was the piece that I'm referring to it's wild no no I I mean hey look I think we all heard that the same way when he said it where it was like are you are you lumping all this in together or or are you actually just talking about like your team's series of injuries because I think that's the one that, that could probably be yet too. That's a yeah, little bit more yeah. fair, right? Like there was a lot of debate. Um, and you and I talked about this, you know, multiple times, both on this podcast and on live bet Saturday of just, this was a series where I knew people really that were real. This was one of those series that was really divided to me. We talked about this with Cavs Knicks too. Like I heard a lot of people that I respect on both sides. And now it's at a point where, like, again, I'm, t- I'm talking about laying that minus two sixty because I think it is unfair at this point to ask the Grizzlies without John Morant, without Steven Adams, without Brandon Clark to actually give a competitive series against basically anybody. It's nothing against them as a team. It's just realizing the injuries you're dealing with. And and also let's, I mean, let's talk about the game itself because this is like, this is also what I wanted to do is kind of pour over some of these box scores, what we learned and how we spin this forward. Like look at the game itself. You know, the number that sticks out to me is, 35.6%. 35.6%. What that is, it's the offensive rebounding rate for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yep. They went up and they they murked them on the offensive glass. Anthony Davis, when he was in there, was great. He was grabbing offensive rebounds. He was finishing over guys. He was blocking shots. Like what, what the one big thing that we discussed, it was that front court depth. And what were you going to do with the size and just what the Lakers want to do? They want to force the action at the rim. Yep. And the Lakers did just that. There was a great sequence. It was like, it's the microcosm what the series could be, Kelly. There's a sequence at the very beginning of the game where Xavier Tillman's trying to box out Anthony Davis and he successfully engages him in a box out. And Anthony Davis is like, I'm 6'11". You're 6'8". Yep. <laughs> I got like, go away. I'm just going to jump straight up and get the ball and put it back in. And that's exactly what happened. Like, this is kind of the, and look, are the Lakers going to shoot the way that they did again? Probably not. I'm willing right, to bet that right. they're not going yeah, to. Yeah. But is that edge and offensive rebounding going to still be there? I think absolutely. Is the ability to defend the rim the way that they were going to be there? I think absolutely. And the other part about it, Kelly, which I and you know I kind of kicked myself we didn't talk about this at all. The Lakers were brilliant in the way they defended Dylan Brooks, in which they didn't. They were like, "Go ahead, bro, shoot. We yeah. don't care. You're just a you're you're a good defender, but you're a high volume, low efficiency shooter." And you're going to be more bricky and then often. And guess what? We're going to be comfortable doing that. And if you beat us one game, well, then you beat us one game. But other than that, we're going to play off you and we're going to muck everything up in the middle. I thought the game plan was brilliant. Outside of the three-point shooting, I didn't think there was anything else that was like non-replicable for the Lakers in that game. Completely agree. Um, the, uh, I, I mean, yes. Like, Do I think Reeves and Hachimura are going to be able to combine to do that every game? No. And no. if they do, yes, the Lakers are winning the NBA Finals. Like, breaking right. news. <laughs> like, let's hold, we can hold two thoughts in our head. What, what's, the, what's, the, 
what's the one thing we kept pointing out about the Grizzlies heading into this matchup? It's that Jaron Jackson was have to play huge, stay out of foul trouble to give this team a chance. He did exactly that, JT. He was incredible, yeah. right? He played amazing offensively, defensively, all over, stayed out of foul trouble. And regardless, I, and like, like, look, does this score, is this score reflective of how close the game really was? No, it was closer than this at the end. Uh, you know, it, it went from very quickly to like a, like a one point lead, to like a 16 point lead, <laughs> right. like very quickly at the end of that game. And John Rand obviously getting hurt in the final minutes. That doesn't help you, but all I'm saying is we kept bringing up Jaron Jackson Jr. He did everything that I didn't think he'd be able to do consistently. And they still lost this game. Yep. I, it just, it's I'm not trying to hate on the Grizzlies or anything. I just think at this point, if John Morant misses any time, this series basically basically is over the, yep. for the Lakers side of it. Just because I don't, how can we expect more from the from the this kind of Grizzlies team? No, absolutely. It's just it's not the same team in terms of depth that it was, uh, you know, last year and the year before when they were winning twenty plus games without John Morant. And the other part of it too, Kelly, is when you talk about the lack of depth. I mean. Look at the production that they got from some guys off of the bench or lack thereof, right? I yeah. mean, when you're yep. talking about their bench, their bench rotation was Luke Kennard, Tyus Jones, Santi Aldama, and then David Roddy got in there for eight minutes. But again, speaking to the the thinness of this front court, because like you said, you got the brilliant game from Jaron Jackson and you still lost. That game where Jaron Jackson commits three fouls in the first half is still coming. Yes. So yep. like, it, it, what happens then? Because clearly your front court rotation, you're not comfortable with because who you brought off the bench were two guards and Santi Aldama. So like if you're what happens when he goes out, because that's going to screw you over even more. I just to your point, when we're looking at this from where ja, where Ja is with an injury standpoint and where the series is at now for the home court being in the pocket of the Los Angeles Lakers, I like when we talked about it. Lakers again on a series price. If you wanted to do that, I think is very much worth it. I thought that price would be more expensive for them. I think when you're looking at this series again from a spread standpoint, if you wanted to, I mean, here's the thing too, Kelly. If John Morant's injured, this might sound crazy, I guess, to some. Lakers minus two and a half games at plus one sixty five right now is, is something it. that is is something that is completely plausible for this team to pull off. And again, this is not us going. Lakers are winning the finals. This is all about this series in particular. Yes. Yeah. And when it comes to this. Like you got to be obviously very worried if you're the Memphis Grizzlies right now. So, I, and the last thing I'll say here though is the you no, know, you're right. Let's let's keep it clear. I'm not I'm not saying Lakers winning a championship, but man, does that does that part of the Western Conference bracket just feel, dude? Right, like I, if you're on the other side, like the Denver's, the Clippers, the Suns, which I know we're gonna get to here, but like that route is so much more difficult than whatever the, you know, the two, three kind of uh, matchup is here. Yep. No, absolutely. I, well, I mean, that's why too, I look, cause there's a, we'll get into this too. Cause they're going to play. We'll have this later, but I mean, the winner of golden state Sacramento, gotta be licking their chops, looking around like, yes. like you were, Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, I mean, there's a very clear path to a Western conference finals berth. Whoever gets out of that series. If you're a Kings fan, you got to be liking, really liking where your team's at right now. now oh, your as of today, yep, after, after this great. first weekend. Yeah. Uh, I also, I wanted to note really quick, because I know this game's not until Wednesday, but I did actually make a bet for game two uh, on Wednesday for these two, for Lakers and uh, Grizzlies. I bet under 229 and a half. So we're at like 228 across the board right now. So when this, they opened up the, I thought it was surprising. So again, so uh, Samich and I were talking about this on the show on Sunday. I was like, oh, you know, you probably won't see this number get opened up for a couple of days because we don't know what's going on with Ja. With ja. Yeah. And then sure enough, it was like, boom, 
we're up. And I was like, okay, really? Because, and this is why I bet this under. One, it's the jaw injury, Kelly. But two, I do want to point out that this game only had 98 possessions between the Lakers and the Grizzlies. And still, you had 240 points in this game because of the elite three-point shooting, specifically from the Lakers, Mm 43.2%. The Grizzlies themselves shot 37.1%. That pace should remain the same. That shooting's not going to stick around. So for the for the market to kind of adjust there, and then you factor in Jaw's injury if he's not going to be able to be available, yeah. or if he's going to be half healthy, this should close like two twenty seven and a half, or maybe even two twenty seven. But I, I bet under two twenty nine and a half when that thing opened up, and it's at least moved in the right direction so far. I like it. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for what you're laying out there. The, I mean, the other thing is if John, you know, Jaw's not in the game, obviously his offensive production take away, but it also, you know, pace pace should be slowing down too for for yep. the Memphis side of things if he's not in there. So, um, I like the thinking there, and I'm going to have to kick that one around a bit in my head because that's a bet I might join you on. All and, right. and I mean, and uh. frankly, this like I, I I'm actually surprised a little bit, like just with how uh, I think aggressive the the odds makers are being in both of these series, like you know, both the with both the big injuries we're talking about, where, um, I, like the I mean the the fact that they're still got Memphis as a two point favorite, right? Like it's it, it both of these lines really right now feel very assumed, like we are assuming that Jaw and Giannis are playing. I, I mean that. That Giannis line, yep. I, or Giannis line, <laughs> that Bucks line, understandably moved when, when it got. Yeah, when it got when we got Giannis, the news this morning that they're optimistic. I think it went from right. seven, seven and a half up to like nine, where we sit now. That I get, but like you're you're telling me after what we just saw in that game yesterday, like it's Bucks nine right now. That this is right. Memphis two right now. Like I don't. I mean, the if Memphis you, if one were, is the most dangerous one because you know the Lakers will go off as one point favorites if Jaw's not playing. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I guess, I'm kind of surprised that they're the the books sure seem more confident in these guys getting back than I am, at least for these yeah. next games. Yeah, I think uh, I feel somewhat confident Giannis will be back, but the the just like you said, the wording and the vibe from Memphis after that game seemed pretty dark for the yeah. Grizzlies. I mean, but, his he said uh, maybe well, they were just one of his quotes. One of his quotes was his pain is a 10 out of 10. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't that's, give me much. That doesn't inspire much confidence for me in playing. I feel like you need your hand as a guard. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I want to go over one more thing before we hit our break. And hit, we're going over everything over the weekend that we saw together. Um, Denver, Minnesota. So that's a late game yesterday. It was kind of a snoozer. So we don't have to spend a ton of time on this. But I will say this. And this is one where I was kind of kicking myself. So I wrote out the series preview on this and, and up and up on the website if you want to go back and look at some of the analysis because some of it still stands. And one of the things that kind of bothered me, Kelly, so I think, and I made this case yesterday on Live Bet Sunday. So I think we're like the collective we. We are down on Denver. And I think it makes sense as to why, right? The last 17 games, they were 7-10, and 10, had a negative net rating. They're below average, both offense and defense. Jokic was a little banged up, didn't really look great. Mm-hmm. And while I can understand, and this is why I think that ratings have to go out the window when it comes to the postseason, I can understand if you're down on Denver from a rating standpoint. But matchups matter. And when you and one of the things I wrote about was the Timberwolves do not do anything that can exploit the weaknesses of the Denver Nuggets. And while you might not believe in the Nuggets in the big picture, this series I don't think is really that close and laying a couple of games actually isn't out of this world. And this is what I want to point to from last night. What's the, the one thing that I keep bringing up with Denver, right? The worst transition defense, 
in this playoff, in these, in these playoffs, right? 28th yep. in terms of transition defense off of live rebounds. Problem, Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert on the floor don't freaking run. Yep. They only run on 10% of their possessions, and they're extremely inefficient when they do because they have two giant dudes running up and down the floor. And what happens yesterday, Kelly? An offensive rating off of live rebounds of just a flat one and total. Points per 100 plays in transition for the Minnesota Timberwolves yesterday, 66.7. It's abysmal. And in fact, you know, you, they have this great stat on cleaning the glass. Points added per 100 possessions. Essentially, how much do you add to your offensive rating through transition offense? The Timberwolves lost 3.6 points per 100 Jeez. possessions through their transition offense against the, against the worst transition defense in the field. The Timberwolves just don't do the right things well to match up with the Denver Nuggets. And so I think if you came into the series believing that Minnesota was going to be tough for Denver because you didn't like the Nuggets, half of that thinking is right in my mind. You should be down on Denver, but Minnesota is not the sword to attack that weakness with, essentially. I think the other the other thing that stood out to me last night, and, and I think it's this series and then, and then probably the Brooklyn-Philly one where I'm just kind of the least interested in from both a viewing and a betting standpoint, because I yeah. think they're just very one-sided. Um, I, but the one thing that did stand out to me, even watching that this last night is it's like, it's like Minnesota couldn't figure out who they wanted to put on the court at all times. Right. Like they were, they were, I think they're struggling with, with what lineups to throw out there and what rotations to use against a team like this. And it's, I, it's just nothing was really working well for them last night. You, you see a lot of guys off the bench that got serious minutes. I know some of that kind of in blowout uh, time near the end. Um, but I, I, that that was that kind of stood out to me. And then, I mean, yeah, everything you're talking about, it's just it's just not a good matchup for them. You're talking about sort of similarly constructed teams where just one's better than the other. I mean, right? Like Denver's just way better than Minnesota. Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, for example, you know, you go back to that game against Oklahoma City, right, in the play-in, and Oklahoma City, like, just had nothing at the rim because they, they want to get to the right. rim. But guess what? Like, there's two seven-footers there in your way. Well, Denver likes to get to the rim, too. But you know what the difference is? Denver is also fine with putting their five at the top of the key and spreading the floor out and just being like, okay, cool. So we're going to pull your seven-footer away from that basket, right. and we're going to cut, and we're going to run actions off ball, and we're going to do all sorts of stuff that's going to negate your size. And we're going to force your other big who's playing off ball to run through screens off ball and do stuff and defend. And that's just not going to work for you. So like, yeah, like again, right. those strengths are there, but it's just not like, like I think Minnesota would have matched up better with Sacramento, for example, than mm -hmm. they would have against Denver, because that's like a guard oriented team that likes to get within four feet of the basket. You have somebody for DeMontis, a bonus, all that sort of stuff. It's not going to work here for Denver. So yep, again, I think, I think if you're down on Denver, I get it, but this just this is not the time I think to kind of act on those suspicions of the Denver Nuggets. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we do have two games uh, today to get to, but before we do, I will unleash the beast because the Los Angeles Clippers are up one nothing in their series with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, baby. And boy, oh boy, again, it's one game. But if you were sleeping on just the difficulty that this Clippers team would present to Phoenix, I got something for you. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! 
I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Story Button, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back here on Hardwood Handicappers. I've calmed down a little bit since the beginning. I was fired up. You should have seen me yesterday, too. Like, like my kids and my wife were in the back just, like, sleeping and watching a movie, and I'm sitting there slamming the floor when Kawhi Leonard. When they hit, when the Los Angeles Clippers, that sequence, Kelly, where they hit three consecutive threes after not being yeah. able to hit the broadside of a barn. I I almost I almost went up and down like screaming. There was a point where I went in after the game to tell my wife, like, hey, the Clippers won. And I got so excited that I swung my elbow around and totally elbowed my uh, my oldest son in the head. And he was like, he's like, I just wanted to give you a hug. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm just excited. <laughs> I was he just got back from the dentist, too. Come right, on, man. Yeah, that's very true. Yep, got his cavities filled. He did great. He almost had to take him again. <laughs> uh, dude, and like I said, it's one game. The series is far from over. But I just, as we kind of move forward in this series, because like, there was, there's a couple of things that we can spin from this game one that I think are going to, you know, topics worth expanding on. But this Clippers team is just well suited to be a pain in the butt for the Phoenix Suns. And I think like if the market's going to continue to price them where they're at, you know, I was, I, I was on the Clippers plus the seven and a half. I've got them for the series. I've got them plus two and a half games. If they're going to continue to price them where they're at, I, I think this is a, at the very least, an angle worth consistently playing on. They match up well with Phoenix. They have big bodies that can switch almost every single matchup on the floor, even when DeAndre Ayton's out there. Their bench, as we saw yesterday, is better than the than the Phoenix Suns. You had a That's player. A pro- yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And, and here's the thing, because this was a, a topic for Suns Twitter and Reddit and, and some media members as well. Not only is their bench better, Kelly, Ty Lue trusts his bench. Monty Williams had no idea what to do with his bench because he's just mm-hmm. not entirely sure what to do with some of these rotations. That's why you saw you saw uh, Bismack Biombo in the first half. Then you saw Jock Landale in the second half yep. because he's just kind of not grasping at straws because that makes you think that he doesn't know what he's doing. But to a certain extent, and for lack of a better term, he is because you're just trying to figure this out. And it goes back to what my main point here has been all along. If you were just – if you were all over Phoenix because of eight games of a sample size against lesser competition – I just don't think that's how you should do this. And you should look at the way these matchups play out. They don't have an option to defend Kawhi Leonard. That was apparent yesterday too. Like that. that's, again, am I saying that this thing's over? No. But am I saying that this is going to be a very competitive series and much more competitive than the masses thought? I think absolutely. The, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, 
I'm with you, man. Your, your your squad looked good. Phoenix, I mean, we've been talking about it. You and I have been talking. I mean, like I I grabbed them to win the West before that number adjusted right on the right when they made yeah. the trade. Like I was able to get in front of that. But even then, I think I made the bet, and I'm like, what, like I'm betting on a team that just is so thin. It's so reliant on four guys, and like we talk about the bench, but we're we're talking about a game that they lost where they got 22 points out of Tory Craig. You know, like how many times right. you'll be able to rely on that every game? Well, like, and that's to your point, right? Mad. Like you, you should win that game. Like they yeah. should have smoked. If I were to tell you before that the Tory Craig was going to have the game that he did, you'd think that all oh, the Clippers got rolled, that the Clippers got absolutely yes. rolled. I, like the Suns, like, I don't like Booker and Durant. Like you guys are going to have to average 70 together every game. Like I, at, like at least I think <laughs> for you to, for you to, like, I'm talking in the, that maybe not to win this series, but like in general, for them to like kind of right. make a run. If we're really talking about this being a championship caliber team, I just think the Clippers, the Clippers have the luxury of it, look. Is this going to bite them at some point? This the, the only thing I got irritated with the Clippers near the end of the season was okay. You you had an you had an idea in mind for what you were doing around the trade deadline. Like, let's figure out what is this playoff rotation going to look like and who are you going to go to in the big minutes? Only thing I'm concerned about, JVT, is I still don't think they have that figured out. Like, right. it's, it's the, like, I think it's still too, minute, too many minutes for Eric Gordon, even though I guess he had a pretty good game yesterday. Like, I don't, why is Bones Island only playing 13 minutes? Like, the, the, the Bones Highland downslide, like, over the past oh. year has just been kind of amazing to me. I will say watching more of Bones Highland and I, you know, I talk with a couple of people out there in Denver every once in a while too, not to use this pun. There is some boneheadedness to his game. Like, so yeah. like yesterday, for example, I don't know if you remember the sequence where it's a transition play and it's him and Devin Booker one-on-one and he's got a little run on him and he goes to like yam it on Devin Booker. And it's like, no, don't go, don't do the one-handed slam in the middle of a playoff. Like we get it. You want the momentum and the flashy play, <laughs> put it up. And get it up there and maybe draw a foul. But instead, what happens? He cocks it back so Booker can get his hand up. Booker can block it. By the way, Devin, if we're talking about transcendent defensive games for guys that you didn't really expect, yeah. Russell Westbrook and Devin Booker yesterday on defense <laughs> yes. Were, yes. were incredible. I it was incredible <laughs> watching them. But like, so like I'm with you, like the rotations, like to your point for the Clippers, but like they were slowly starting to figure those things out and they're trusting Highland at least a little bit because he was out of the rotation for a little bit. Like they got him, yeah. they started yeah. him, he made some dumb stuff. Or some dumb plays, they pulled him out for a little bit. Yeah, Uh, but then they're starting to trust him again. And and I just got to say too, dude, like I will be a he's going to be, I think, arguably one of the best Clippers ever. I don't care because there's not that many. Terrence Mann is freaking awesome. He is so good. He was going head to head with Chris Paul that entire game. He did a brilliant job on him. He actually pulled a Chris Paul on Chris Paul where they forced a turnover and in transition, I don't know if you remember this one, where Paul's right behind him. So instead of going up for the wide open layup, man actually kind of stopped and Chris Paul bumped into him and he used that momentum to finish and got an and one out of it. Chris Paul does that annoying stuff all the time and man pulled it, man did it to him. Like your overall point here, it's just the the bench is deeper, man. And Lou is starting to trust it a little bit more. It's just, it, it, that is one of, one of, I think, two real edges that the Clippers have. I, I'll save well, the other just, one, but what else did you have? I, I, I just think there's, I think they're so deep, JVT. Like, my point more is that, like, they can, like, they can ride the hot hand. You, you know, like, to not use that, that saying too, too much, but it's like the, I mean, you can p- throw one of these guys out there. They're not having a good game. Great. Hit the bench. And I think that's what we saw last night with man, right? It's like, okay, yep. you're, you're having a good game. You're staying out there. 
you, you, you earned it. You earned the playing time. You're out there. Um, and I know we're not going to make any, any money off the, our Norman Powell bets, but man, he watching Norman Powell play sometimes. You're so, just like, how is this guy so good on both sides of the floor and like this athletic and <laughs> just, yeah, I, mean, like, I don't want to say his career is an underachieving, but like he is, he is damn good to be like a fourth, fifth option on teams. How about the, like, so the start of the fourth quarter, so Kawhi actually plays the start of the fourth quarter. And even on the broadcast, cause I thought it too, it was like, Oh, maybe they're going to, maybe he's going to play the entire like fourth quarter. Like maybe he's yeah. in all half. And so he plays a couple of minutes and then comes out. But Norm Powell in those minutes was great. Like he hits a couple of buckets. Like he kind of just helps them maintain their, their stride there to where then when Kawhi finally comes back in, they're still right there within a possession. Or I think that maybe they were up by one when Kawhi came back in, but like, regardless, I will say too, Kelly, because and Tyloo made this point, and it's annoying. But if this is like they they don't have an excuse now, but Kawhi Leonard was great yesterday. And how many how many minutes did he have yesterday? Well, uh, forty two. I'm looking at. 42. I was just going to bring it yeah. up. Yeah. And Tyloo said after the game, he's like, "This is why we did what we did, so that when we get into the playoffs, he can play forty two minutes, the most of a second half, and give us these performances." And he looks great, man. Like he yep. is. That has been one of the most underrated aspects of this Clippers team in the second half of the season. As Kawhi Leonard has gotten healthier, he has looked more and more like prime Kawhi Leonard, and he just does it with such ease. I mean, there was a possession where like, it looked like he was just kind of loafing around, and he kind of like half jogs through a couple of screens, and then gets an open spot, catches the ball, and then puts up a mid-range jumper uh, over Torrey Craig, and, it, and he hits it. And, it's, and it, he looks so comfortable, dude. Yeah, I, w- I will say to... Uh... You know, to 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 the fact of him playing that that many minutes, and this is what we, the you know this is why we rested him and stuff. Okay, I will take the other side of like, okay, I want to see this play out for an entire playoffs. Like, right. <laughs> we, we can say it's nice to say that thing after one. And that's win. why I, I threw <laughs> right, out that caveat. But, I was like, now it's on you. Like, if you're gonna say right. that, now you got to do it. But but I will say, man, even myself watching him yesterday, it's okay if you are. Screw the type of game. We know Kawhi Leonard can play that type of game. We, I, I, if you've forgotten, that's on you, right? Like, like we know Kawhi Leonard can be this good, but it was the minutes for me yesterday where I'm like, this guy is playing and he's playing a lot. And if that everybody out there should be put on notice that apparently Kawhi Leonard it feels 100 percent and he is ready to go here. And by the way, not only just playing the minutes that he did, Kelly, the entire fourth quarter he guarded Kevin Durant. Yep, like he he was on him. So yep. it's playing both ways at a really high level, and, and he's looking like prime Kawhi. So I mentioned really quickly because we'll have more on this obviously when the series resumes uh, tomorrow. But the other thing that everybody was like really shocked by, which they shouldn't be, because we saw this coming from ten miles away. It's just the simple math game. They took twelve more three point attempts than the Phoenix Suns. They made five more. That is a fifteen point edge for the Los Angeles Clippers. They are going to take way more threes throughout this entire series. Yeah. And that is going to make a massive difference because again, everybody laughs when I bring this up and I like, I think humans makes fun of me when I say it, but it's, it's an, it's never going to stop. Three is more than two. And if you're going to consistently take those threes instead of those long twos, and you're going to hit them at a similar rate, you are always going to have a mathematical edge over your opponent. The Suns just don't shoot that many threes. It's a, it's a fascinating evolution that we've seen in the NBA over the past I mean, really, really, really what since Steph came in the league, but we've seen those three point percentages rise and rise and rise, but both of makes and attempts right, per game. 
But now we've seen over these past couple of years, more of these teams go back to relying on mid-range scorers because these defenses have gotten so stretched out that it makes sense. But what you're, I, I agree. I'm, I, I agree with everything you just said. I'm still, I'm still building my team to attack at the rim and take threes. This no. is, I, I just, I don't want to say there's a ceiling, but that's going to be the sun. Like if the Suns advance, if the Suns win a championship, they're doing it in the mid-range. It's because Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and Kevin Durant killed you shooting in the mid-range. And I don't that 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 ball just ain't for me, JT. Yeah. <laughs> ain't for me. I need Giannis yeah. crashing at the rim and falling down. Okay. I need that. I need threes. Okay. That's what I need. <laughs> and a, a shout out to we'll uh we'll we'll wrap the Clippers Suns um talk with this. The third quarter was abysmal for him. But Russell Westbrook was great. He was the the non-offensive yeah. stuff. He was he was spectacular. Uh, it was it's one off- of the like individual games, one of the most bizarre games I've ever seen in the playoffs. Right? Because like was, I was. So how do you phrase it? Is it the is it the greatest worst game ever, or is it the worst great game ever? No, greatest like, worst, the greatest worst game. Ever. That you actually, I'm glad you brought that up. That's what it is. It's the greatest worst game ever. I want to say was, it's the worst greatest game ever. Oh man, I thought he was <laughs> terrible. I was one of the people sitting on the couch, being like, "This, this is what we all talked about. Why'd you make this move?" And then he, and then he shows up with this intensity in those final minutes. That was a game changer. It was a game changer. It helped them win that game. And I want to say really quickly, and this is just again, I am, I am, I am, I am biased here. Okay, I am compromised. <laughs> it went beyond because I saw a lot of this. It went beyond just the fourth quarter. Defensively, he was great all game. He yeah, was guarding yeah, Kevin Durant. Right. He was helping on him. He had that block, I think, in the first half where he just came over the top and swatted it out of Kevin Durant's hands. He was deflecting passes. The defensive energy was great. Now, that third quarter, he was abysmal and he was taking <laughs> shot after shot that I was like, because at some point, too, Kelly, like we can kill Russell Westbrook, but at some point, Kawhi Leonard has to go like, bro. You should yes. not have more shot attempts than me. Stop shooting the ball. Like, let's just get back into our flow of offense or Ty Lue or somebody. Well, and that I, kind yeah, of, right. I think that's the concern with Kawhi, right? Is Kawhi right. ever going to be the guy who says that? I think that's I mean, always the concern. It, it feels like maybe, right? Because in that fourth quarter, he barely shot when he got back out there. And it was all everybody else. But those offensive rebounds and the, I'm sorry, but the brilliance, I'm not sorry, the brilliance of blocking Devin Booker leaping out of bounds to chase the ball and yep. careening it off Devin Booker to the point where one, it was so hard that he actually got his leg taken out from under him, which is hilarious. And two, while he was complaining to the official about being swatted, it was a great sequence. It won them the game. That was a spectacular performance from Russell Westbrook. Just kudos to him because it was going to be one of those games where everybody was going to kill him. And he went back out there and just absolutely dominated with those hustle plays. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, look, if they're going to get through, if they're going to continue to win games and get through this Paul Georgeless era, you know, time, he's going to have to be big. Like, it's just, yeah. you know, like we talked about that when, when, when he, when, when he came to the Clippers, I just, he can't be a luxury piece. You know what I mean? Like he's still like, he, he needs to contribute. And that's where, like, like we, we talked about, this team is deep enough that we've seen it before already. They've got enough talented guys that play that at the guard position or can play guard that if Russ, you're playing bad enough, you could be on the bench and never coming off again. Like we, you don't have time anymore to figure this out. So I like, I'm with you. Great game from him uh, at the end there. 
He's going to have to keep doing it, though, and he's going to have to put start putting together more consistent shooting numbers. Because I don't yeah. think they can, you know, risk against some of these teams having too many empty possessions. And really quickly, the adjusted series price: Suns are a dollar ninety-five favorite, plus one sixty coming back on the Clippers. These are courtesy of DraftKings, so always, as always, shop around. Yeah. And as somebody who approached the series from the standpoint of the Suns are being overvalued by the betting market, um, they're up one nothing, and I would say that the market still hasn't adjusted. It would be plus one sixty-five on the Clippers or pass for me for the series. But again, I'm approaching that from the standpoint of I thought it was too high to begin with, and where I'm at from a bets already made standpoint. So that's my thoughts. That's all. Yeah, you know what's kind of weird? This series is maybe, I don't know why it's in my head as much as it is. Like, so I played that over five and a half, just the total games uh, before the series. I'm not involved in the Clippers, and maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's just that part of my mind that still knows I have that Suns Western Conference ticket. But, like, you're, you're right. Like, I'm kind of mad at myself. I didn't take some piece of the, uh, the Clips before the series. I could easily take them now. And I still haven't done it yet. <laughs> There's just that piece of my brain that like, can't get me there, hey, JVT. It's one game, and Kevin Durant only took one shot in the fourth quarter. That's also not going to happen, and that's going to be something where uh, – or I think it was one shot in the final nine minutes or something like that. So this series yeah. is far from over. But, again, the overall point, Clippers are pretty competitive, man. Shouldn't sleep on them. They've been figuring some stuff out. No. Yeah, I mean, Two this games. is – I expected this series to be six or seven games for sure either way. So I, it's, I, I, think we're, I think we're in for a good series here. All right, speaking of a good series, um, the antithesis of that looks like it's going to be Philadelphia and Brooklyn. Yeah. We, you know, so we have two games today. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this one. We'll save a little bit more on the back end for our, our game of the night, of course, which would be Sacramento and Golden State. So anything from you in terms of the takeaway? So for me, like when I was looking at this, pretty much everything that transpired we thought was going to happen. I, I think one of the angles that you're taking into this game that I wrote about in the column this morning which is, and the market's already kind of responded. And this is why it's so important to really analyze some of these box scores and sites like Cleaning the Glass really help and the NBA site. The 76ers shot 50% from three. They generated 21 wide open three-point attempts. They had an offensive rating of about 140 or something like that. Those are not things that are sustainable, Kelly, at least to those degrees. Yeah. And that game only had 90 possessions and had 220 points. So this is a really big under candidate for today. You get the same type of pace in terms of these two teams that were very slow, a dip in production from the 76ers offense, not as many wide open threes. You're probably going to get a more low scoring affair. I thought looking at under and actually nets, because I'm very much, I'd love to pick your brain on this. Yeah. I am very much a belief of in a best of seven series, unless there is an injury, you should be pretty static with your numbers. So if the market thought eight and a half was the number for game one, in terms of the spread, it should be eight and a half here again, but it's not, it's 10. I don't think a one-and-a-half-point adjustment is worth it just because nobody got injured. You got a really good offensive performance. That's not worth adding one-and-a-half points to the uh, 76ers' power rating. Uh, I would lean very much to the under and to the nets here just because of that adjustment. Okay, I like it. Yeah, this is I, – I, I'm going to be so boring with this Timberwolves-Nuggets series and this Nets 76ers series because yeah. it's – like I stand by what I said beforehand. It's like I think the Nets are going to steal one of these games, which is probably – it's probably one of those games where they shoot lights out, right, and you get a bad Sixers game or something like that. And that happens, but I think it probably only happens once and I don't know when the hell it's going to happen. So yeah, I think if you're, I think you've got to break things down like you just did as far as well, these spreads are moving. This one, I'm not interested in. We, we hit on this a bit on Saturday when we were together on the show, but like, I'm more interested in that thought process with Atlanta tomorrow than I am with Brooklyn today against the Sixers. I just still think there's, I think there's a bigger difference 
Uh, like I, I think the Nets should be bigger dogs against the Sixers than the Hawks are against the Celtics. I still think that. Uh, I, and so yeah, I, I don't have, I don't have anything with this series, man. I gotta be honest. Even like prop wise, player prop wise, I think it's. Oh, a don't tough, get me started on the assists. On the assists, yeah. Well, well, are you gonna go back to it? Okay. I actually don't think there's any reason why you shouldn't. Because here's the thing. So actually, I forgot for you the, played that. Yeah. So for those who don't remember, I. Uh, I had my angle coming into this series was Joel Embiid assists over. And it was at three and a half at plus 110 when it first got posted, closed three and a half over even money. He had three in the first half on Saturday. And then they kind of changed the way that they were guarding him. And that's what ultimately kind of maybe takes me off a little bit, Kelly. I think the adjustment in the game plan for Brooklyn, again, emphasizing matchups as opposed to like ratings and whatnot, is okay, you know what? Let's do what we did in the second half. Let's see if this works for a game. Screw doubles. Let Joel Embiid yeah. get his. We're going to go yeah, one-on-one, and we're not going to let you get as many wide-open looks. They gave up, again, 21 wide-open threes means a defender is not within six feet of a shooter. That like that was because Brooklyn kept sending two guys at Joel Embiid, and they were ping-ponging the ball around the floor and finding wide-open guys. You can't do that anymore. Yeah, that, so that second half, and that's what that's when I didn't go back and rewatch. and that second half was kind of when we were, we were getting ready for the show, so I didn't catch yeah. a lot of it. So they really did get away from throwing those doubles at Joel Embiid because that's all they yeah. were doing in the first. Yeah, okay. that's what they – Yeah, I'm or, with you. Then that or their terrible zone in. defense that they threw out there in the first half. Like that was – it was like a lackadaisical zone that it looked like they just installed that morning. Like you can't do that again. You you can't look. I I agree with you. I I think the only chance you have, I, I mean, it's incredibly disrespectful to the rest of the Seventy Sixers team to be like, we're just going to throw doubles at it, beat and have have the rest of you guys beat us. Yep. It's like okay, Maxi Harden or Tobias Harris, like they right. can do that. That's going to Anthony Melton can do it too. Melton, yeah, it's like this is going to happen. They are going to beat you that way. I'm with you. I think you like there might be a hundred pound difference. But the best you're going to do is throw Nick Claxton at Embiid and you got to live with the results. Like it's, I don't know, try to pick him up if, if he's in the pain or with the second guy or something like that. But other than that, I'm with you. I think you got to play it straight up. And I'd rather make Embiid go to work over and over and over again than have, the, you can't have, like you just said, you can't have those type of guys who are good three-point shooters getting wide open look after wide open look. Yeah. So I, oh. I, I'm with you, man. I, I don't. That they can't they can't do what they did in that first half of the game, so I wouldn't expect them to. Um, but yeah, like you, you know, you do have some quality defenders on the Brooklyn side, so I'm not really looking over on other you know other player props for the 76ers side. Uh, I I just think with the Sixers, it's gonna it's gonna depend on the type of defense the Nets throw at them on a night to night basis in these games, and that's gonna dep- that's gonna end up. Uh, winding up mattering who has the big game that night for the Sixers. Like I, I'm not going to be surprised that we see different big games. You know, it's Maxi one night, Harden one night, and Bead one night. Series over. Yep. And, and to the last point for Brooklyn too, before we move on to Sacramento and uh, Golden State, uh, they had a transition frequency rate, or what percent of their team's live ball rebounds led to a transition play? Only 25. percent That needs to be like 30. That needs to be like 34. They, like they need yeah. to get those and run. They need to make. I don't know how many possessions I saw with Joel Embiid just still standing in the backcourt because he didn't want to get back and like run. You got to make him run, especially yep. when Embiid's Good out play. there, and they did not do that at all. Got to take. I mean, you either make, either make him run or get those easy buckets, right? Like you got to yep. take advantage of that one way or another. All right, Golden State, Sacramento, game two, cannot wait. Game one paid off everything. It was fantastic. The environment was awesome. And the Sacramento Kings, again, like this is what we talked about, Kelly, right? They're a little bit more competitive than maybe a lot of people thought. They get up and they win that game. And there's a lot to focus on in this contest. 
But I'll focus on two things in particular as we get ready for game two tonight. A negative 53.6 or a 56.3 net rating in the minutes without uh, without Curry on the floor. So again, it's a small sample size. It's not going to be that bad. The point is that they're just not good without Steph Curry, which is something that transpired throughout the entire year. And, yeah, and, and will continue. Yeah. Like that's yes, go, that's continue. not going to change. Yeah. And a defensive rating in that game of 121.4. And they were the third worst defensive rating in the NBA on the road this regular season. So the things that led, and this is why, like I said, again, could they come out and win today? Sure. They're probably in a better position to do so because they're not going to shoot as poorly as they did in that first game. However, to just look at the road issues and go, nah, nothing. Everything that we saw transpire on the road in the regular season did transpire in this game on Saturday night. And I think that is just worth kind of, you know, filing away as we move forward here with the Warriors and in this series. Yeah, the one, I, I don't know how I missed this, but when the hell did I miss in the game uh, Jordan Poole getting hurt? Yeah, I, I can't remember when that happened. Because um, I guess he came I guess he came back, right? That, I mean, yeah, because I, I think I'm he just, played through it, but he's been dealing with it, yes. No, the, that was the biggest thing that threw me off looking at injuries today, was seeing a questionable tag for Jordan Poole. I'm like, I'm like, I think he's going to play. I mean, he came back and played in that game. Um, I was... Two of the big things I, I do want to mention quickly before, uh, before we wrap this up, but the, I, I, we made a lot about the guys who got injured yesterday, but oh man, did the guys who came back from injury sure look good. And I'm talking oh, about Andrew Wiggins, Wiggins and Julius yeah. Randle, right? Like, oh my God, did they come back, look good and have a major impact? Um, that's going to be interesting to see how much more this affects this series. I wasn't expecting Wiggins at least to have as a, as immediate of an impact as he did in this series. I thought the Kings yeah. maybe were going to get a chance to steal a couple games before they saw Wiggins come back. All right, it's game on, full strength all around. That was one of the more incredible games. It, it, if it was later in the playoffs. It felt like one of the better playoff games I had watched in a while, and maybe that's just me getting captured in the moment. But when they went back and forth, just nailing three after three on either side of the ball and like, on those final minutes, that was an incredible ending stretch. Um, if you are, I, I agree with everything you said about Golden State. Those minutes without Steph are very concerning to me. You need, look, Wiggins is back. You're going to need to have him continue to contribute like that. Jordan Poole has to contribute. Uh, DiVincenzo, he's got to contribute, right? Peyton's defense has got to be there. Because um, I'll tell you what, for anybody who didn't watch anybody who hasn't watched much of the Kings this year or didn't watch Malik Monk on the Lakers last year, like this kid can ball. He might come off the bench for the for the Kings, but he can have big games like that. And that's not going to stop. The fact that they were able that the Kings were able to win this game with Sabonis having a poor shooting game as he did, I I was a little surprised. And again, I just think it's we're, we are. We have devalued what the Kings did in the regular season way too much. And yep. we know we know their defense isn't good, but man, this this team came to fight. I'm gonna continue. Like I played them a little bit pregame. We talked about it on Saturday. I played them a little bit pregame and I jumped in on them live. I think this this series right here should be a live betters dream. I don't think you're gonna get much defense on either side of the ball, and you've got two incredibly uh good offensives offenses that will take, especially with the Golden State side, that's going to take a lot of three-pointers, right? So mm-hmm. these these leads that these teams make, they can be blown in just a couple minutes. I, I I love this series. I can't wait to watch every single game. But betting-wise, I'm not going anything a, a, into this game with anything pregame 
here at JVT, but I'll be looking live. And to me, yes, I still lean the Kings side a bit, but I, it could be both sides. I don't really care who's down. I'll be looking jumping live tonight. Yeah. And uh, the, the Warriors, in terms of adjustments too, 53-point attempts is a little too much. They'll probably cut those down, try to That's get a little insane. bit more in the paint because um, they did not shoot particularly well when it came to shooting threes. That'll regress if they actually cut down on the high volume of that. But these non-curry minutes, and to the point now of where we're at for this game, uh, Warriors across the board are now one-and-a-half-point favorite. That totals up to 240. Again, I'll just state, like, I think you should be pretty static with these. The market closed consensus, Kings minus one in game one. I don't know why it would then flip to Warriors minus one-and-a-half. I get it. It's the zigzag, but... Like from a power rating standpoint, if you're rated them one way, it should be the exact same way the other way around. So even if the Warriors come out win and win by two or more points, you're not getting much value in betting on them at this point right now. Is this a JVT? We keep asking these questions. Like it feels like every week on this pod at some point, I'd have to go back and look. Are these adjustments from game one, game two? Do these feel like the same as what we've seen in years past, or do they feel they feel to me about like a point or a half point at least more? than what we've seen in the past. And I just don't know if it's the amount of betters in the market. I think that's all it is. Like, I think yeah, we're seeing it could. I just, I feel like what we like the market likes to do is it, it's, it's two ways, right? So what we'll see is you'll see overwhelming favorite wins and covers. So market then again, comes back to what like uh, back overwhelming favorite, thus yeah. the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers in their series uh, with their respective opponents. Then you get the other side, which is a team that market loves falls on face in game one. So then you come back even stronger in game two. So that's going to be the Suns and the Warriors the here Warriors. coming back. Yeah. So I think that's that's ultimately what you're you're kind of usually seeing. I'm not one that generally believes in just blindly betting like the zigzag theory, as many people will bring up, and which you will see now here in the coming days because that's yep. you know a, a, tro- a betting trope in the NBA. I don't think um, you should blindly bet it, bet it. I do agree with it a little bit, but that's kind of where I'm saying that, that that's where I'm, these these. Line adjustments feel a little heavy, though. To right, because that's because you're what you're talking about here, and what, what I say, just I'm not going to do it in terms of the betting thing. Is again, like, is one to one and a half a big adjustment? No, but guess what? You're willingly saying because this team lost last game, I'm willing to take a two and a half point adjustment and swallow it, right, and bet on that side. And that's generally like in a big picture, that's not going to lead to you know, as the as the kids say on Twitter. A lot of plus EV situations. There you go. Well, no, and for the especially for this game with the Warriors tonight, like, because of all everything I stated before, there's I don't think you have any reason to get involved pregame. Like yeah. just wait, wait till live. There'll be an opportunity. All right. Well, with that, we are all done. Uh, remember that these will be out five days a week, and we had a lot to go over on the weekend. I'm sure these will be cut down a little bit. Just excited. Just excited. Yeah. I know Kelly's fired up for me, as is everybody else about my Clippers. <laughs> God, so beautiful. <laughs> Watch them lose four straight. All right, with that, like, rate, review, subscribe. Make sure you keep your eye on our NBA Playoff Hub. We'll have all of our write-ups up there as well as our daily columns in terms of best bets and odds and predictions and all sorts of good stuff. And remember, too, as it is Monday, puck drops on the NHL postseason today. So make sure you check out our NHL Playoff Hub that is up yeah. on the website at vcin.com and our NHL betting podcast with Danny Burke and Andy McNeil wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, we will talk to you tomorrow here on Hardwood Handicappers. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.